I work only if it's something I 1000% believe in, something that will absolutely work for my child and myself. And it actually limits me in a way, but I see all the other things being just that much more important. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Hi, everyone. It is Carly. Today, my guest is Rachel Bilson. Rachel is an actress who is best known for playing Summer Roberts in the hit 2000 show, The O.C. Since then, she has starred in TV shows and movies like How I Met Your Mother, The Heart of Dixie, and Jumper. Now, she is the host of two podcasts. One is called Welcome to the O.C. Bitches, where she and a former co-star take a trip down memory lane by giving listeners a behind-the-scenes look at episodes of the O.C. Her latest podcast is called Broad Ideas with Rachel Bilson, which is basically like tuning into an audio happy hour with your girlfriends. Rachel and her best friend turned co-host Olivia Allen invite friends on the show to talk all things taboo, sex, mental health, the reality of being a parent, and so much more. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. What a nice introduction. (laughs) Well, I am so excited. I feel like I am kind of geeking out because I'm a big fan. Aww. (laughs) So we're going to start off with a lightning round. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. What was the first job you ever got paid for? I ever got paid for? Yeah. I was a hostess at a restaurant called Sisley. Okay. In Sherman Oaks. But I was thinking like my friends and I got roped into this thing, going to college parties in San Luis Obispo. And for some reason it was tied into Playboy. No idea how. Wait, okay, we were Yeah. No, we were not naked. We were fully clothed, <laughs> like nothing obscene. I can't even remember how it came about, but I remember getting a paycheck from Playboy and I was like, oh my God. Wait, that's hilarious. Yeah, that just triggered my memory. I haven't thought about that in probably 20 years. But that's we like, very funny. Yeah. Okay, so you were yep. a Playboy employee. That's great. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to go actually like back in time for a second. We're going to talk about Seth and Summer. Do you think that they would be together today? I definitely think they would be together today because how depressing would that be if they weren't? Thank <laughs> I you. I feel like, you. you know, after everything they went through, let's just keep them together. Let's make I, things I happy. really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> what is your favorite Seth Cohen line of all time? Favorite Seth Cohen line? Adam Brody would always do improvs. I like when he called himself a barbecutionist. That kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is like a 2000s fashion trend that you have brought back into your life? Okay, I haven't officially brought it back, but the platform flip-flop, which I swore I would never embrace again, I see it everywhere. I'm toying with it a little bit. I haven't officially done it. Is it like a jelly flip-flop? Because that would make it like, you know, all things. Extra 2000s? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, it's just like, do you remember Rocket Dog flip-flop platforms? Yeah. Like, it's kind of an ode to that. Okay, I look forward to to seeing this out and about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what is the last show that you binge watched? The last show that I binge watched was probably Love is Blind. So good. 
So good. Who who are you like rooting for the most? Oh God. Okay. So this was like a couple months ago now. So their names, I think like Shane and Shane and Natalie. And Natalie. I really yeah. liked Natalie a I know, lot. I did too. A lot. I feel like she had to walk away though. She oh, she had to. After that last yeah. thing. And I was yeah. like, oh, red flag, enormous red, Big flag. red flag. Run. And yep. she did. And I respect yeah. that. I yep. do too. Okay. I feel yeah. you. I'm happy um, you agree. <laughs> when was the last <laughs> time you negotiated for yourself? Oh my goodness. Last time I negotiated for myself. Uh I feel like I do that all the time. Um I think I got offered a job and I really fought for myself and my daughter. And that always feels like, I feel like I'm the strongest when I'm fighting for my kid, anything yeah. that has to do with her. Um, that's when like the superhero mom pants come on. What is your go-to karaoke song? My go-to karaoke song? Oh man. I really like Country Roads. Good one. Okay. We're going to, we're going to jump in. So you were on the OC early 2000s. You became famous like a very young age. Just put us back into time. Like, what was that just kind of like rocket ship like? Gosh. Yeah, I was 21 on the OC. And luckily for us, there was no social media. None of that existed at the time. But it was kind of this overnight success story, right? And we were all in it together so to speak. Obviously, Misha skyrocketed and was like on the cover of every magazine. And she was only 16, 17 years old. And which, by the way, it's like crazy to think about, because at the time I knew you guys weren't all the same age, but there's such a difference between like a 16, 17 year old and a 21 year old. One thousand percent. And the fact that she was put in that position and had to handle all of that at that age. I mean, I commend her because I don't know that I could have handled it at 16 years old. And she was such a seasoned professional. And it was a really, really cool thing to watch. But because we all had each other, and obviously Adam and I had started dating pretty early on in the show. So the support of that helped a lot as well. And we were pretty domesticated for our age, which helped it too. So having that support and all being in it together was crucial, I think, in just handling it. When you think about if the show had launched today or last year, how do you think that experience would have been different for you? Like what would have changed for you? Well, I think I think it would be a lot harder now because I have a kid with that amount of success and attention. It'd be harder to handle and protect and all of that because of my child. So when you say like today, even though I was young, I was very free and like very like, eh, whatever, nothing really bothers me. I'm, you know, just living my life. And now because of all the life I've lived and having a new life to look after, I think it would be more of a challenge. So in the pandemic, you paused acting and you yeah. shifted <laughs> your focus from TV and movies to audio, to podcasts. <laughs> yes. A lot of people rethought their careers for a variety of reasons during mm-hmm. the pandemic. So mm-hmm. for our listeners who who maybe have gone through something similar or are still going through it, like what was just that transition like? Like just put us kind of in the moment of like when you transition. Well, as we all know and had to experience, we were home <laughs> and couldn't go anywhere and couldn't see anyone. And I was home alone with my daughter and it was of course, challenging, but also rewarding in that I got that time with her. But thinking about, okay, 
So I can't be on a TV set. I can't be traveling for whatever it is. I got approached to talk about doing a rewatch podcast for the OC. And since I was home and couldn't leave and honestly rewatching that show because I've never actually watched it sounded like fun and a nice way to connect when you couldn't connect physically. So that was born out of necessity in the pandemic and I could do it at home with my kid and it was like this beautiful thing and and it's been an amazing rewarding experience because I've reconnected with so many people from the show. How did the pandemic change the way you think about and I, I hate the word like finding balance because I think it's like right. nobody has balance but like how <laughs> did it how did it shift the way you think about being a parent and like being there with your kid and then also kind of seizing career opportunities and how to kind of marry the two. It's so interesting because like I said, I I got that time with her in a way that, that no one really gets, you know, whether they're at school or their extracurricular activities or you're working. And it put it into perspective that like, even though I always knew this was number one for me being a mom and having a kid, it just made it so clear that I don't want to spend the time away from her like I would have had I been on Heart of Dixie or The OC or even that other show I did Take Two where I was in every scene. It was like, I can't be away from her that much. It's way too important to be a present mother and driver to all of her soccer and Girl Scouts or whatever it is she's doing. And that has taken such a forefront and realize how important it is. So I think a lot of us created kind of new rules for ourselves, like in, in the pandemic of like, when I go back to quote unquote normal, I will right. never go back to blank. So like for right. me, I was like, I will never go back to like being out every night for work for like a work dinner. Like that, mm-hmm. that is just not sustainable. I also will never go back to like being on a plane every week because it just uh. wasn't healthy for me. Right. Did you create new rules for yourselves that you're like, I will never do blank again? <sighs> So I did. I was like, I will never do a TV show where I'm in absolutely every scene. I work 16 hour days. I don't have any time for my kid. But then, you know, things come up and offers come up and you're like, oh, gosh, well, that would be really helpful for other reasons to be doing that right now. So you make these rules, but they have to be moldable or you can change them a bit or adjust them. But for me, it really is important that. I work only if it's something I 1000% believe in, something that will absolutely work for my child and myself. And it actually limits me in a way, but I see all the other things being just that much more important. One of the things I think that a lot of our listeners have gone through, and I know a few people in my personal life who have gone through is, is figuring out how to co-parent with a partner Mm -hmm. in the pandemic, because there are so many like literal logistical challenges to that. And I think, you know, you've spoken very openly about having a really positive co-parenting relationship, but like, just for those that are listening, how did you navigate that when there was literally a logistical nightmare of a pandemic? (laughs) Well, I've said this before because my daughter's father and I were in separate houses. It kind of gave her a little reprieve because she could experience two different environments and have somewhere to go. And so that was a positive spin on it. She got to go out. I'm so jealous. Yeah, she got to go out. You know, she drove from a car to another house and that was a big adventure. Big day. (laughs) But we were both so strict and 
took everything so seriously. So everything felt very safe. So we managed really well at the time. And she was five. Was she five when we went into lockdown? Oh my God. <laughs> to think about it now, you're like, crazy. Oh, it has like years. Been two yeah. years. So she was young and and friends were important, but like way more important now than they were at five. So we kind of had that. She still wanted to be with her parents and we made it fun for her and we really worked it out. And luckily it wasn't a negative experience for her or for us. So I want to talk about the podcast. I want to talk yes. about the OC one first. Sure. What has been the most surprising thing about looking back? When we first started watching and rewatching, I had a very emotional reaction because I'm watching myself at 21 years old and I'm 40 now and I'm like, holy crap, Like <laughs> the life I have lived and like yeah. everything that has transpired since then. And it kind of sent me into like this crazy spiral in my head of the choices I've made and, and things like that. And but it's actually been really great and really, really therapeutic because I've come out of it and I'm like, okay, I'm cool. Like where I'm at, what I've done. It's nice to look back. It's crazy to see how tan I am. But <laughs> I, other than that, it's just been, a, it's been a very positive experience. And it's also really fun to get to hang out with Melinda Clark all the time. And we're enjoying it. When you look at kind of these old episodes that you're in and it's sort of on this memory lane. What do you think is the same about you? And what do you, what are you like, oh my God, that is like a different person. <laughs> well, like I said, the amount of makeup and bronzer and all of that <laughs> is very jarring. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, I still feel like I admire when I see myself young, because like I said, I was pretty carefree and that's something really nice to grasp and hold on to. And Try to not take things so seriously, even though life can be so serious, especially now. But it's nice to watch that version of myself and be reminded of the happy, fun, more carefree times. <laughs> I always hate when people ask me this, but I'm still going to ask you anyway. When you <laughs> like, you look at like 21, 22 year old Rachel, like, what do you want to tell her? What do you want to say about like the ride you're about to be on? Oh my God. I do want to say, because looking back now, you can survive anything. And that is a huge, huge lesson I've learned. Like no matter what happens, no matter what comes at you, no matter what you're dealt, you will survive it. On this show, we talk a lot. It's a career podcast, especially given what we've all been through in the last few years. It's yeah. like very much, we talk about mental health and we talk about yeah. kind of how the personal interweaves itself with the professional. Mm -hmm. When you say that you can survive anything, I completely agree with you. And that's why I'm always like the health is the most important thing you have to worry about. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to survive everything. Yeah. What are the tools that you lean on tools, people, like whatever it is, like, yeah. what do you lean on to be able to survive anything? Sure. I've been in therapy consecutively for three years and it's so helpful. I don't know why there's can still be a stigma with therapy, but it has been very beneficial for me and it's a constant reminder of being able to survive anything, especially with me with no memory. Like she'll remind me <laughs> of like things that I've gone through and survived. But that's an important tool. Also, like reminding myself kids are so present and being able to spend the amount of time I do with my daughter, it keeps me present. And it's such a nice reminder, which is huge. And we were reading a book this morning called Hattie the worry detective, something. Anyway, I, th I feel like Elizabeth Olsen maybe wrote it. I think that's what the author, the name was yeah. on it. Yeah. 
And we were reading it this morning and this little cat is giving all of her little school friends tools to deal with things. Breathing. There's a stress ball. There's all these things. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great to like, teach them young. Too. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm learning from Hattie the Worry <laughs> Detective. I'm like, yeah, like, does Hattie do an adult workshop? Seriously. I'm like, where's my stress ball? But yeah, and I think it's like giving the kids these tools this young is awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's a constant reminder and it's really helpful. <laughs> so your other podcast. Yes. Broad Ideas. Yes. Is really about being vulnerable and talking about a lot of this <laughs> stuff. Yes. Were you like always vulnerable with your friends and coworkers throughout your career? I am an open book to a fault. Anyone who knows me well or is close to me, they know every, absolutely every little detail about me because that's just how I am. I've been very private publicly, you know, in my career and in my personal relationships. And I still am when it comes to that stuff. But the things that seem taboo to talk about or the things that my girlfriends and I will go into at length, sex, relationships, kids, motherhood, all of it, I wanted to create a safe platform to be able to talk about these things and realize like it's so normal and it's a safe space to do that. It's basically what you talk about with your best girlfriends. What's been the episode topic that's gotten you the most? So my favorite one that I'm the most proud of is my best friend, my other best friend, Leah. She shared her story in our um, one of our topic episodes entitled uh, Infidelity. And she has such a riveting story. And the fact that she was so open and so vulnerable, I feel so proud. And the reaction and response we've gotten has been huge, you know? And yeah, she's not a celebrity. She's, she's, she's a human being sharing her story raw and open. And it was so beautiful. And I'm so proud of her. And that's definitely my favorite episode. But also everyone that's come on and has been willing to be open has been such a great experience. I think one of the things that I find super fascinating is, as you said, like you seemingly are super open, like talking about all the stuff, but you are a public figure. You have a, a daughter, like you obviously keep stuff kind of close to the vest. And like, how do you draw that line for yourself, like for your professional life? And, and I ask that because you know, for those that are listening that are in a leadership position, whatever it is, they mm -hmm. could be a founder, they could be an actor, they could be an executive, rising executive. There is kind of always this like song and dance of like, you want to show up and be your full authentic self, but you also sometimes need to be the boss and mm -hmm. need to um, not necessarily show everything about yourself. Right. And it's something like I've personally really struggled with. And so I'm curious, like you're doing that as a celebrity, like <laughs> with a lot more eyeballs on you. Right. What, like, how do you navigate that? There's things that I think are important to be open about and talk about whether it's mental health or other, you know, struggles that you're dealing with as a woman. I've always really looked up to Kristen Bell, who is so open and we've had on this show as well. She's, you know, a dear friend of mine. We've been friends for a very long time. I've always admired that and her and her relationship with Dax. And, and that's a really great role model for me and gives me the confidence to share more openly. There's certain things like I won't go into detail about because of privacy of others and things like that. And I can only share from my own personal experiences. 
And I'm protective over my daughter too, of course. But I think it's important to to show that everyone goes through the same things. You've talked a lot on the show already around your girlfriends. Yes. I think I've heard you say you have so far four best friends. <laughs> you're, you're clearly somebody who has like a really strong group of friends. Yes. How have you thought about what that support network and friendships look like and what you need them to look like today? Yeah. Versus kind of the beginning of your career. Okay. So it's interesting. And I've, you know, Sex in the City quotes that like your soulmates are your friends and I'm not quoting it totally accurately, I but know, I know what you're talking about. You know about. what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I have found that to be 1000% the truth. Now my best friends that I refer to have been my best friends for 25 plus years and we have grown up together. We have been through everything together. There are things in my life I would not have gotten through without them. And when I say I can survive anything, I mean with them by my side (laughs) Uh, most of the time. But it's so important to surround yourself with women that can hold you up, can support you, not judge you, and actually be true friends. And as you get older, you learn who are actually true friends and who aren't. And you keep those ones closer. And for me, having the same friends I had before I was working in my career and we really have grown up together and they were with me on that trip that we got paid by Playboy. You know, like, <laughs> like been through absolutely everything. It's so precious and so valuable. And I love that we have that network and I love that we are branching out and being open with everyone to hear and to come and talk to and to bring this community together because we believe in it so much. Is there a topic on your show you haven't touched on yet that you want to? So there's things coming up. There's a really important one on mothers who have kids with special needs that's coming up and that's going to be huge. A lot of sex stuff because that seems to do the best <laughs> with women. I'm like, oh God, like right. older relatives. I'm like, you might not want to tune in for this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're going to tackle those things. We're going to do um, infertility, adoption, uh, a lot of things because we have so many amazing people that have gone through these journeys and are willing to share it. So we are looking forward to bring light to it. That's awesome. When you talk about your career, and it's interesting that you're you're doing two shows at once that <laughs> are one, you know, is, is retrospective of like where you've come and one is very much obviously where you are now. How does that frame like your parenting? Like how does that frame what you want your daughter to take away? Gosh, that's such an interesting perspective to like the opposite ends of my life. Now, my daughter obviously can't listen to the new podcast till she's like 40 years old, but <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because it's like every choice I make in my life now, she is at the forefront of my mind. So it's it's like this weird balance with being so open about this stuff, but also leaving the room to have that much of an open relationship with my daughter. Like I want her to come to me whenever she's questioning things or when feelings about another person come about and obviously much, much further down the road, like, you know, the, the sex yeah, stuff. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. When she's 50 and loses her virginity, right. you know, right. I mean, we right. won't have grandkids, mm-hmm. but that's okay. But that's you okay. know, so I just want it to inspire this very open, honest relationship with my kid, which is what I have with my mother. So I think that'll be pretty easy to do, but that's the main goal. That's really nice. 
I want to read a listener question we have from sure. Kat. Kat asks, how have you dealt with people making assumptions about you because of your public persona throughout your career? So my mom's favorite quote that she has said to me my whole life is, it's none of my business what other people think of me. Obviously, that's a challenge at times. Yeah. I'll read comments or... So that's one thing is I try not to read comments and I will never read reviews over the podcasts because I don't want to be in my head when I'm talking. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know yeah. anything. Um, so I don't read any comments or reviews because of that reason. And that does help. But of course, I've seen things in the past like talking a lot of shit about me for whatever reason or for who I'm with or whatever yeah. it may be. And that can get to you. But as I've gotten older, it's kind of like, eh you don't know me. It's fine. Like move on and don't read things. (laughs) When that happens though, like I'm always like, I don't know, like I mindlessly scroll on Instagram and like, I'm not like finding random stuff about myself. Like if you have that moment, does that like, is that like a gut punch or are you just like, no, never mind. I wouldn't call it a gut punch at this point. Some things are annoying for sure. Yeah. And it's also like, well, you know what? I don't know what their life is. I don't know if they feel like they need to say negative things to make them feel better about themselves. Godspeed. But there's certain things, of course, can like get in there when they tap into your insecurities or whatever. But it's so important to acknowledge like this person doesn't know you. It doesn't mean anything. Don't read anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Most important question I will ask you today is who should we have on the show next? Ooh, well, you probably had a lot of people already. Well, I mean, you've got all these friends. Tell me, who do I have? Well, you you do have all these friends. Um, The pressure's on. Have you had Misha on? No. You should have Misha on. I would love to have Misha on. Keep it in the family. Yeah, love (laughs) it. Awesome. Well, Rachel, so nice to have you on. And thank you so much. And congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And we've also got another podcast, Pop Cultured with The Skim, where each week we're covering the pop culture moment everyone's talking about. New episodes drop every Tuesday.